All right, listen, the second week of our series, what are you searching for, as you just heard, but it is also the second week of what we Jesus followers refer to as the Advent season. Now, the word Advent, can somebody shout Advent? Just type that in the chat. Advent. Uh, it, it refers to the coming of Jesus. Really, theologically, it refers both to the first coming of Jesus, which we celebrate at Christmas, but it also is a reminder of our expectation that Jesus will come again. And the four weeks leading into Christmas uh, is really shaped by this, the theme of hope, love, peace, and joy. And it's a reminder that if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, even in the middle of a pandemic, in the worst possible season of your life, that in Jesus we have the promise, ultimately, of peace, of hope, love, peace, and joy. Can somebody shout, Advent. Praise God. Now, for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, uh, let me just explain to you this series. Our research team has done, they've done a deep dive as it relates to uh, what are the top four words that people are searching on Google all over the world as it relates to our innermost feelings. And last week I told you the number one word that people were literally searching for across the world is love. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to go to our website and, uh, and, and access the message from last weekend. Now, today, can you guess what is the second most popular word that people are literally searching for all over the world? All over the world? Uh, if you can guess, just type the one word in, your best guess into the chat. Young people, you're listening, come on, just say it out loud. What do you think that one word is? Adults, what do you think the one word is? Did anybody say purpose? Purpose. That is the second most popular thing that people are searching for, literally searching for, all over the world based on Google. And here are some of the searches that people have typed into Google as it relates to the subject of purpose. What is the meaning of life? What is the point of life? I don't know what to do with my life. Why am I here? How to find your purpose? I feel I have no purpose in life. In a nutshell, the question that they are raising as, uh, as those searches are going forth is, why am I on the planet? Listen, Pastor Rick Warren says that the greatest tragedy in life is not death. It's life without purpose. Young people, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. used to say to young people all the time, he would say, uh, listen, do the best you can to figure out why God has placed you on the planet as early as you can so that you can live the rest of your life fulfilling your God-given purpose. And here's what science tells us. Science says uh, that those who live purposeful lives typically live healthier and longer lives. And here's what science tells us about young people, teenagers, etc. That if you have a uh, high purpose in your life, you're more likely to make healthier and wiser decisions. Now, to prove this point, uh, there's a guy by the name of Dan uh, uh, Butner, uh, who has a fabulous TED Talk that's out there, uh, uh, How to Live to 100 Plus Years. Uh, Dan is a... Um, 
is an Emmy, uh, uh, an award, Emmy award-winning uh, journalist working for uh, National Geographics. Uh, he's a uh, you know best-selling author, and the list goes on and on and on. It's a fabulous uh, TED talk, and he's got his own uh, dot-com called the Blue Zone. Here's the deal. He gathered uh, scientists and some folk together, and they pursued this question. Where on the planet are people living the longest? And they found five locations across the globe where people are living up to the age of 100 plus, 103, 105, 110, and I mean with real vitality. They call these communities across the globe blue zones, and uh, he talks about it in his TED talk, but I just want to point out one really interesting thing. Uh, they looked at five characteristics that were common in every one of these communities. So if you're interested in trying to figure out how can I live on this side of eternity to 100 years old or plus, you might be interested in these characteristics. Okay, the first characteristic he points out is that they build into their lifestyle regular physical activity. They're walking wherever they go. They're climbing steps. They're chopping wood, etc., etc. Secondly, in terms of what they're eating, plant-based diet. I mean, fruits and vegetables, young people, uh, with some meat that's uh, also included. Thirdly, they have a high value for relationships. There's tons of people in their lives that they love and that love them. They're surrounded by community. Fourthly, they have vibrant faith. In whatever context that they practice their faith, they've got a relationship with God. And lastly, can you guess what the last one is? Purpose. They have purpose. Uh, can somebody say Purpose is powerful. Just type that in the chat. Purpose is powerful. Listen, one of the islands that they interviewed was uh, in Okinawa. And in this particular island, they have a word for purpose. Uh, and it's this, Aikigai. Can you just say it? Say, it with, say Aikigai. <laughs> I love the sound of it. Aikigai. <laughs> I love it. It's a great word. Here's what it means. The reason why you get up out of bed. Okay. Can you just type in the chat? Why do I get up out of bed? All right. Why are you getting out of bed? What's your purpose? It's a fabulous word. Okay. Here's my definition for purpose. Uh, my definition for Ikea guy, if you want to say. <laughs> it's the ultimate why behind your life. The ultimate why? Now that gets us to our passage. If you were with us last weekend, you know that there's a fabulous story that we uh, engaged in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46. Uh, you'll recall, I'm sure, that uh, there was a fellow by the name of Barnabas who was defined as a blind beggar, and he heard that Jesus was coming through, and he started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the wonderful thing about the text is it says that Jesus stops in the middle of the cross, it stops his entire activity, sends for the man to come, and the man comes to Jesus, and when he arrives, here's what Jesus says to him. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And then the text says, fascinating here. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. There is the reading. It's fascinating, right? Okay, so I told you last week that this man's encounter with Jesus, he was a man who could not see, 
and his basic experience in life uh, as he was a blind beggar was he experienced not only could he not see but more often than not he felt invisible the people didn't see him couldn't hear him did not value him and I told you that in that context we share this this notion for love and when Jesus stopped and had him to come to him he started the process of a remarkable act of love. Jesus saw him, Jesus heard him, Jesus valued him. And so we all share that same thing. We always want to be uh, seen, be heard, be valued, no matter what. And what I told you last week is that no one does that like Jesus. <laughs> when I was growing up in Cachelle, Louisiana, we used to sing in my little, in my Baptist church, Zion Chapel Baptist Church, we used to sing a song, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Come on now, shout, put, type that in the chat. Can't nobody do me. As a matter of fact, the, the lyrics of the song would go, can't nobody do me like Jesus. He picked me up, turned me around, and told me to run on. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. That's a Jesus' love. No one can love you. Not even your parents, not the, your spouse. As much as people may love you, they can't love you the way Jesus loves you sees you, hears you, values you in an extraordinary way, no matter what. But here's the insight that I want you to make the connection for. An encounter with Jesus' love changes your ultimate why. A true encounter with Jesus' love changes why you wake up in the morning and get out of bed. An encounter with Jesus' love should augment radically the reason why you are on the planet. Wow. Okay, let me point it out. Let's go back to, to the, uh, the verse here, verse 46. Here's what it says. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And this is his context, and it tells us about his, uh, his ultimate why, if you will, his, his purpose prior to his encounter with Jesus' love. That, that uh, he, by way of both necessity and perhaps default, because he felt uh, disabled by his blindness, focused on me. The word that defines his sense of purpose was me, that he had to get up every morning and get out there to the side of that road because, and, and, and beg and, and do what he could do to get the resources that he needed to sustain his life. He couldn't see anyone. He just had to do the best he could with what he had. The focus was on me. Can somebody shout me? Can you type that in the chat? Me? Young people say, me. Now, in a really kind of unique way, that defines a lot of us. By default, often, our primary focus in life is on me. That's the ultimate why, guys. <laughs> you know, listen, I know young people who pressure their parents into buying them $300 tennis shoes at Christmas time, even though they know their parents are having a hard time finding the money to pay the rent. They can't see anybody but themselves. Me. I know of adults who either smoke or drink or gamble their rent money away because active addictions has that kind of destructive self-centeredness that comes with the addiction. You can see nobody but you. 
I know friends who can be on the phone and talk with you for two hours about themselves. And as soon as you say, let's, sh- let's shift the conversation and let's talk about me, 10 minutes, they're off the phone. They <laughs> can't see anybody but me. Somebody shout, me. But notice the transition in this gentleman's ultimate why after he has this remarkable encounter with Jesus. Now I want you to understand what this encounter with Jesus is. Listen, yes, Jesus miraculously gives him sight as a reminder that, that God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even imagine, both through technology and through his supernatural work in our lives. Yes, I, I want to affirm that as I teach this text. But the, the ultimate teaching here is that Jesus does for this man. First of all, Jesus sees this man and hears this man and values him so much that he stops all that that he's doing. He calls this man and then he does something for this man that no one else on the planet can do in the restoration of his sight. It's the ultimate expression of love, right? Now notice what happens in this text. It says, and Jesus said to him, all right, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see. And then this interesting part of the verse. And he followed Jesus down the road. Notice Jesus said initially, go. In other words, go your way. Your faith is healing. Your faith has brought you to me. And so I've healed you. That's the, that's the implications of the text, right? And, and so what Jesus is intending for him to do, okay, now you got your sight. Go your way. Go pursue your goals. Go pursue your career. But what does the man do? Because his encounter with Jesus was so radically transformational. Rather than going his way, the text says he follows Jesus down the road. And suddenly his ultimate why shifts from being focused on me to being focused on Jesus and others. If she'd ask him after that point, why are you waking up in the morning? He says, I'm waking up uh, to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. And I'm waking up with a focus on others. He said, okay, well, I get this notion that he focused on others because the text says he followed Jesus down the road and he was following Jesus. But where does the, uh, I see the focus on Jesus, but where does the focus on others as his ultimate? Why? Well, you got to keep reading in the Gospel of Mark and you go two more chapters from chapter 10 to chapter 12. And Jesus is in a crowd and he's having a conversation with a young man who comes up and says, well, now tell me what is the greatest of the commandments? And, and, and because we now know that blind Bartimaeus was following Jesus along the way, Bartimaeus is standing there in the crowd listening to this conversation because Bartimaeus has said, Jesus has done for me what no one else has, could ever have done. And so he has the right and he has the rights to my life and, and, and that the rest of my life I'm going to follow him I'm going to replicate his life in my life I'm going to learn from him he ultimately will be my teacher so he's standing in the crowd listening to Jesus and here's how Jesus answers the question Jesus replied you must love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul and your mind and your strength and the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And what Jesus is teaching there is that the reason why you ought to wake up in the morning should fall into, it should be twofold. <laughs> to love God 
and to love others. That's it. If I wanted to make it even more simple, what ought to wake you up in the morning should be love. Love. Loving God and loving others. And here's how Jesus is thinking about it. I mean, do you see all the different ways that God interfaces with your life? Right? From waking you up in the morning, the blood blood and warm in your veins, the things he delivers you from, save you from, even in the midst of a pandemic, how his grace surrounds you. Uh, all of this should be a reminder of the God that reveals himself in Jesus, who sees you and hears you and cares for you no matter what. So much so that he gave his life to redeem you. And that kind of love should enable you to wake up in the morning saying, I want to see God. I want to hear from God. I want to value God to the extent that I, wanna, I, want, I want Jesus' life to be replicated in me so much so that when I walk out the door, when I look around in my house and in my room, check it out, I'm seeing people, I'm hearing people, I'm valuing people. An encounter with Jesus' amazing love to change your ultimate why. The why behind you feel like you're on the planet. It's a powerful thing, right? All right. Now, here's the deal. I want to just, 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 just follow me here for a minute. When verse 46 opens up, it says that Jesus uh, and those who were with him went into the city of Jericho, the town of Jericho, and then comes out. Does not tell us what Jesus does while he's in Jericho. If you want to know what Jesus does while he's in Jericho, you got to go to the Gospel of Luke. And, and, and the Gospel of Luke also tells the same story that I've just shared with you about Bartimaeus. But it talks about what Jesus did when he was in Jericho. Jesus ran across a fellow by the name of Zacchaeus. I want to talk a little bit about Zacchaeus because there's a little insight here that I want to, want to push towards. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Here's what we know about Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. There's the reading. Now, the first point I made a few moments ago is that if you're not thoughtful about your life, your default purpose will be focused on me. But if you're thoughtful about the way you've encountered Jesus in your life, regardless if you say, I want to be a doctor, a police officer, plumber, whatever, that the, the ultimate why behind your life should be to have the opportunity to love God and love others. But I want to caution you to what I want to I want to suggest. And Zacchaeus teaches us about this. This is what this is Jesus' ministry in the city of Jericho. It, it teaches us about this. And I, I call these beware of your hidden purpose drivers. <laughs> Somebody shout hidden purpose drivers. The, 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 the drivers of purpose that you're not even aware of or you're not cognizant of how, how much they're shaping what you do in the world. And it eclipses the, 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 your, your sense of saying, my, eclipses your purpose of loving God and loving others. What are they, you ask? Great questions. Here they are. Prove it, to acquire it, to achieve it. To 
prove it. Somebody right now, you're watching me, and you get this. The reason why you're, you wake up in the morning and get out of bed is because you've got something to prove. Some young person is watching me right now, and, and you know that the reason why you're pursuing the grades that you're pursuing is not necessarily because you've got a, a, a love for learning. It's because you want to prove that you are as smart, if not smarter, than your older sibling, right? <laughs> Somebody right now listening to me is pursuing a goal or a dream in life uh, because you're trying to prove wrong the voice that's in the background of your mind. It might be the voice of a foster parent. It might be the voice of a counselor that says to you, you will never be anybody, right? Some of you are listening to me right now and what's driving you to get out of bed is this dream you have, this picture you have, this image that you have. This, it's the reason why you're working 14, 15, 16 hours a day, working so hard. It's this image of a beautiful house and driving a, a Lexus and, and, and having a certain amount of money in the bank account. And it's that picture of, 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 of what you can acquire that's driving you. Or it's the hunger to be number one, to achieve it, to be the champion, to be the best, to win the trophy. Now listen, I want to suggest to you that these things are not horrible things if they are inside of your life, having an impact on your life. Listen, I, I grew up a scarred kid in Cachelle, Louisiana, special need kid, so forth and so on. So I know what it's like to live life wanting to prove something. I know what it's like to live life wanting to acquire, wanting to achieve. I get all of that. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that if those drivers become your ultimate why. Here's why. Listen to me. Because, because scientists tells us that the two most dangerous times in a person's life, listen, is when you're born, that's obvious, the fragility of a baby, and when you retire. Why when I retire? See, because here's the deal. If proving it Acquiring it and achieving it is your ultimate why. At some point, and usually by the time you retire, you prove it, check. You've acquired it, check. You've achieved it, check. Now what? It's the nagging now what that, that becomes so disturbing to the human soul. It's, 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 the, it's the, it's the, it's the loud voice of the now what? What's next? After you've checked off those three things, come on, that, that causes you to feel lost in the world. Now what? That is the problem if these three things are your ultimate why. And let me just suggest, as I think about Zacchaeus, these three things I want to argue was alive in his, in his life. First of all, you know, you have to ask the question, why would a Jewish person want to be a tax collector in his day? Tax collectors were despised by the Jewish community. Why? Well, because uh, they were part of the oppressive power in the Jewish community. These are Jewish people who decided to work for Rome, and Rome says, we'll give you the power to collect the taxes uh, for us, and you can also have authority to collect uh, beyond 
what we need for yourself over and above. And so these people became oppressive. Why would someone want to be a Jewish tax collector? Why would Zacchaeus? And as I think about Zacchaeus, I must I just in my own mind, I, I, I think maybe he grew up, perhaps it was, he, it was defined by poverty and meager resources. Surely he, under, he had the experience of, of being a part of the oppressed. And, and somewhere in there, I, I guess he just got, this, he got tired and he said, look, number one, uh, I, 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 want to, uh, I, I want to acquire it. I want to be wealthy. I want to be powerful. And so even if it means selling out my people and becoming a part of the oppressed, I so desperately want to acquire it. And then we find his achievement. He didn't just become a tax collector. The text says he became a chief tax collector. That means that that he was in charge of all of the tax collectors in that Jericho region. He was in charge of everybody, right? And then the last part of the text, go to the last part. Listen, the last part is it says he wanted to see. This notion reminiscent of Bartimaeus, right? He wanted to see who Jesus was. He so desperately, because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. See, in that culture, if you were, if you were unusually short, and that's what I think the text is hinting at, unusually short, or if you were blind, if you had some other challenge like that, you were devalued as a human being. And so I think there is this notion in him that says, I want to prove that I'm worthy of being seen and being loved and being powerful. And so part of his drive, I will argue, was to prove it. And so at this point in the text, when Jesus shows up, listen, he's proved it, he's acquired it, and he's achieved it. Well, why do he so desperately want to see this one called Jesus walking through? Because after he checked off those three, it was the nagging, now what? It was that something in his soul that says there's still something missing. It's it's having a house, but no home. It's having lots of money, but no sense of value. Uh, It's being at the center of power and still feeling powerless. Come on now. And, 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 and invisible. And he says, but there's something in this one called Jesus. Wow. You know what it was? Love. What does Jesus do? He climbed up a tree, Zacchaeus does, and Jesus comes on a tree and he stops. And he does the same thing as Zacchaeus as he did to Marmaeus. In this case, he looks up and says, Hey, kids, come down. I want to have dinner at your house. Remember, I told you last week, love is looking for you. And, and everybody went, Whoa, whoa, at that, you, Jesus, you want to go to that center, that scoundrel's house? And in that moment, Jesus displays his remarkable, redemptive love. And he says, Yes, I'm going to have dinner with this one. And that love. It changed Zacchaeus' understanding of his ultimate why. Okay, let me just back this up real quickly. Uh, uh, here's the point. The ultimate why should equal love. That's, that's where Zacchaeus ends up. Uh, Seth Curry, one of my favorite people, right? And uh, recently he was in an interview and he was talking about how the sportscasters talked about him. Uh, they said, you know, he had limited ability you know, doing his um, draft days, his drafting report. 
He couldn't finish around the rim. He had very limited ability and so forth and so on. And here he describes, he describes, this is his quote, he describes how he felt about it. He says, but at that time, man, it's hard to even describe how much comments like that bugged me. All this analysis that people would uh, uh, put out there, all these scouting reports, whatever, they kept the focus on what I supposedly couldn't do. Undersized, they called me. Not a finisher, they said. Extremely limited. I can still reel them off to this day. And you just know that in the first eight years, all those comments, they ate at Steph Curry. Not to mention his ankles giving away on him multiple times. So you know what? He had something to prove. You know, he had something to achieve. He had something to acquire. Uh, these were drivers. But, but, but his mother taught him at an early age, uh, he, he would tell you if he was here, he had his own Brian Bartimaeus, his own Zacchaeus experience with, with Jesus as a young age. When Jesus came into his life and experienced his love and his grace and his forgiveness and that, and that Jesus had, had a place for him in his purpose. See, that's what's really powerful about Zacchaeus. J Jesus had a place for Zacchaeus in his purpose. That's what's really powerful about blind Bartimaeus. Jesus had a place for blind Bartimaeus in his purpose. That's what's really powerful about you. That at the end of the day, he's got a place for you in his purpose and you get there by having a commitment to love God and do the work of love to others and this was Steph Curry and his mother said listen God is going to bless you miraculously and you're going to end up on a big stage but when you do make sure that you say it's all about him it's all about him and so to this day, whenever he makes a shot, uh, uh, does something great on the court, he does this. And it's just a reminder to folks, it's all about him. It's all about his love. It's all about his grace. It's all about his power at work in my life. I see him. I hear him. I value his power in my life. And he's transforming his life. He's transforming my life with his life. So, well, how do you know? Well, let's talk about what he's achieved. Come on, very, very good. He's you say prove it? Well, he's the best shooting guard that there is. Notice the word best. Somebody shout best. It says uh, acquire it. Well, yes, he's acquired it. Look, he's wealthy. He makes $40 million a year plus. Uh, all the stuff he gets from his tennis shoes and all this stuff. Has he achieved it? Yes, he's achieved it. Three-time NBA champion, two-time most valuable player. Well, what happens after you check off all of those? What happens, Steph Curry, after you retire? Where's, where's the meaning going to be in your life? And if Steph was here, he would say, I'm going to still be doing this, right? I'm going to still be saying, it's for him. And we see the, the example of, of how that's being lived out in Steph's life now through his philosophic work. He said, look, it's all about love for me, loving God by loving others. And so you see that remark, millions of dollars he's giving away to a, a, a golf program, the Harvard, Howard University, working with the United Nations to, uh, to, to fight against malaria, teaming up with the U.S. Army to provide scholarships for f uh, members of service, men and women, so that they can, uh, their families, so that they can go to college, working to, to, to be a blessing to tens of thousands of young people in South, South L.A. or in, in the Bay Area here in Oakland, or with Mr. Obama, working with young men of color uh, who don't have fathers in their lives, making a difference, providing education programs and safe places for kids to play, and the list goes 
on and on and on. And you ask Steph, why do you get up in the morning? Yes, I still love playing basketball. Why do you get up in the morning? Yes, I still would love to be a fourth-time champion. But why do you get up in the morning? And what happens when all that over? Well, ultimately, I get up in the morning to be a witness for the one who transformed my life. I get up to love God through who I am and what I do and to love others. Do you see the point? That when you've had a real encounter with Jesus' love, it changes your ultimate why. <laughs> you just get up saying, I need to love somebody. Let me start with the people in my house. Let me prove it from Zacchaeus' story, and I'm finished. You know, this is an amazing uh, verse here in, uh, in verse 8 of chapter 19. And Jesus has dinner. <laughs> And hangs out with Zacchaeus, ministers to Zacchaeus. The experience is so powerful of Jesus' love, of Jesus fitting him into his purpose. Zacchaeus does this, but it's the text says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, watch the shift from me. Prior to this, it was all about Zacchaeus focused on me, but now he knows what his ultimate purpose is. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, half of my possessions. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. I think as Pastor Tim Keller says, that if you calculate what that actual was in dollars, given who he was and the clout that he had, that we're talking about probably... Um, uh, in, in, in contemporary language, maybe a million or two, that that kind of generosity changed Jericho, changed the lives of tons of people. That type of generosity, wow, revealed that his ultimate why became, I'm going to live to love God, and I'm going to live to love others. I can hear you saying, well, do I have to do big stuff like Zacchaeus or big stuff like Steph Curry in order to feel like I've got some purpose? Well, Teresa, Mother Teresa has an answer for you. Here's what she says. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things. Here it is, with great love. That's, that's starting your day with a smile. That's, 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 that's saying nice words to your family and to the people that you go to school with. Come on now, that's practicing the work of forgiveness. It's small things with great love. That's asking, can I be helpful? Can I be a blessing? Come on, here's something else she says. Look at this. I'm not sure exactly what heaven would be like, but I know that when we die and it comes to uh, when it comes time for God to judge us, he will not ask, watch this, how many good things have you done in your life? Rather, he will ask, how much love did you put into what you did? Madam teacher, Mr. Madam engineer, Mr. lawyer, Mr. plumber, come on, Miss service person, Miss military person, Miss politician, how much love did you put into what you do? That's the task. See, when you get up in the morning, it ought to be about the business of love. In Jesus' name, somebody shout, amen. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's talk about some next steps. Let's talk about your response. Right now, popping up on the screen here, we want to suggest that you go to our next steps in the uh, apps. And the, the begins, it's the connection card that takes us to the next steps. Uh, and, and there are some options there that you can choose, including saying, I want to follow Jesus like Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus and Steph Curry. Hmm? 
And then there's a response to the message that I want to challenge you to, to make. My ultimate why, to love God and love others. If you will make this your ultimate why, just check yes in the response to the message. Just say it out loud. Say yes. That's the reason why I want to get up in the morning. Right? And then lastly, uh, here's the reflection assignment. Not a question, it's assignment. Pick one of the following ways to practice love. I pull this out of Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 12 through 14. He says this is what we should be doing. So you pick one. Tell me, here's some small things you can do. Be sympathetic, kind, humble, gentle, patient. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Which one of these things will you pick and practice starting this week? And I'll see you next week.